BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Amanda Lippman. I run an organization called Run For Something. I wrote a book called Run For Something. And now I host this show, also called Run For Something. My mission is simple. Find people who care about solving problems and help them run for office. Every Tuesday, I'll talk with amazing and incredible candidates and elected officials who are already making a difference. They're in local offices that might seem small and not so sexy, but are actually hugely important for your day-to-day life. Fixing our broken system will take all of us and people like you. Listen in every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everybody. I am grateful if you clicked on this episode because it means a lot to me. I'm going to be sharing a story today that is personal to me and actually can be difficult to talk about. And I know that might come as a shock because you guys know I'm super vulnerable, super honest. I sometimes do a fault, um, share too much information about my mental health, anxiety, depression, my ED experience. And you would know that as well um, through following my Instagram. But when it comes to really sitting down and telling the story, it's difficult and it's not easy for me to do. And as I thought about this podcast episode, part of me definitely was hesitant. You know, it's not easy to sit down and just kind of explain things and kind of relive them in your mind. Fortunately, last year during this same week, and this is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week, which is why this week more than ever, although I do talk about this pretty much every single week, um, I wanted to bring attention to eating disorders and help fight against the stigma because so many of us do struggle with it. And so last year during Need a Week, I uploaded a YouTube video where I sat down and explained my entire story. And so for today's episode, I have pulled that audio to share the story with you guys here today on RealPod. And I listened back to this and it's it's just so accurate. I was super nervous to make this video a year ago, but I still to this day think it's a really accurate telling of my story. And it's better than anything I could do just sitting here trying to do it again for you guys. So I wanted to share that clip 
I'm just going to let us get right into that now because I know this episode is important and I want to dive into it. Thank you again for listening to RealPod each and every week. It means the world to me. I'm so grateful that you clicked on this episode and I am really looking forward to sharing my story with you today. After the telling of my story, make sure you stick around because I will finish the episode by answering the questions that you all submitted to the RealPod Instagram at RealPod. I love each and every one of you. I'm so grateful that you tune in and that you are inquisitive and you want to have these conversations. So I will be back after the storytelling to answer those questions for you. Without further ado, this is my eating disorder story. Hey guys, welcome back to my YouTube channel. I am kind of in disbelief that I'm starting the video right now just because I have been really nervous to film this and I've been like scared about it. And obviously I talk about my mental health a lot. Like if you follow my Instagram, I post about depression, anxiety. I post about my past eating issues and binge eating and all of that stuff. But for some reason, sitting down and just discussing it is difficult for me. And I think the biggest reason is just because I'm a perfectionist and I want everything to be perfect. I want to make sure like I say it right. I don't forget the details and it's done well or whatever and all that stupid stuff that really doesn't matter for a video like this because the point is just for me to be honest and hopefully help someone. So even though I feel like not in the perfect realm to to do this video. I know I'm probably never going to feel that way. So I'm just going to dive in and start today. I'm going to be telling you the story of how I developed my binge eating disorder and how I recovered. Okay, let's just rewind and let me preface the kind of girl I was in high school. So in high school, I cared a lot about my appearance and I was like obsessed with looking good. I counted my calories. I was constantly on diets. I saw a dietitian. I was always weighing myself. I measured myself. I was obsessed. Oh yeah. I was obsessed with Victoria's Secret models. Like it was a time where you couldn't, there was no Instagram. Thank God. I would have literally, I don't even know what happened to me, but it was a time where there was a Victoria's Secret app and all of the angels had profiles and in their profiles were their measurements. So I would go on there and I would get the measurements of these models and then measure myself to see if I was like them or I'd want to try to be like them. And it's weird because when I think back on high school and who I was then, even middle school, like in middle school, I had issues. (laughs) Oh God, it's making me realize like how messed up this was my whole life. But when I think back, a big part of me wants to say, oh, I didn't have like a really big issue with food back then. I didn't have like a problem, but I definitely did. I mean, 80% of women are disordered eaters and what categorizes disordered eating are things that we think are normal. Like, oh, I count my calories. I have guilt and shame associated with food. I'm obsessed with what I eat. I did all these things and it was definitely toxic, yet I didn't think I had a problem. I literally one time fainted in my kitchen because I didn't eat. I wasn't eating a lot. I remember being like so surprised, like, oh my God, I just fainted. Like, why did I faint? Like, because you're not eating a lot. I mean, but at the time I thought, okay, like I'll just eat more. Like this isn't a big deal, whatever. It's weird. And these are all, these things are all coming back to me as I start to tell this story. And I want to be careful to not expose the specific things I did, like what I wouldn't eat and how many calories and the exact weight numbers. And it is triggering. So I'm going to kind of avoid those terms. But in general, I'm going to give you the gist of like what I focused on. So yeah, in high school, like I had a goal weight. I was always trying to stay by it. And also I was thin. Like I was a thin girl. 
I had never gone to a place where I was like severely dropping weight. It was more just like this cycle of like dieting, looking up to our secret models, measuring myself, eating ice cream here, eating pizza there, going on a diet. Like I want to say it was normal, but I know it wasn't normal. But sadly, a part of me honestly thinks that right now or at least back then, but especially now too, a normal girl is like obsessed with the bodies of models and other girls they see on Instagram and has a toxic relationship with food, but it's not that severe. So it's, so this is normal. Like it's sick, but it is, I think what a lot of people experience. And so when I look back, a weird part of me is like, I was a normal girl. So that girl who definitely had issues and a radar for food and image basically went to college and that is where the pieces were in place for a problem, a real problem to happen. And that's what ended up happening. So I got to college and I was there to be a student athlete. And so the lifestyle of a student athlete is a big adjustment. And I also was terrified to gain weight at college. That's just the thing that everyone talks about before you go to school. Don't gain the freshman 15. Don't gain weight in college. Oh, did you see so-and-so who left last year? She's gained like 20 pounds. So you go there and you're fearful to gain weight. There's just like an extra height and like, okay, I can't gain weight. And this is going to be the situation where most people do. My new physical and like health and wellness lifestyle was so different than what it was in high school. I'm working out like four hours a day. I am now burning so much more than I was in high school. So my body is hungry for and needs more food than that. So I was also really hungry. And I remember just looking down at my plate at a few meals and thinking, oh my God, like I am eating the portion my older brother used to eat, like and some. Um, This is not the plate of a healthy, feminine, thin little girl. And as time went on, I think I just kind of, I don't know, it's weird. It's like you're in college and you're having fun and you're having a good time and you're going with the flow. And then you wake up one day and you look at the scale and you're like, I've literally gained 10 pounds. Oh my God. And so when I realized that I was gaining weight, I thought to myself, oh, okay, like, let's just do our little diet. Let's count our calories. Let's do our numbers, whatever. Like we did in high school and let's just get back to where we want to be. So I started to restrict and count my calories. And this was the first thing I tried to like combat the weight gain. But I also want to throw in this curveball. When you go to college, there are so many things happening, changing, and they're different around you. And it can be really stressful. I was away from home for the first time. I had all different foods that I wasn't used to eating. There wasn't like a refrigerator where my mom was getting groceries. It was like cafeterias and school food. And I was living with strangers and girls that I didn't know for the first time. And I have school and I'm worried about a million things. So I was also really, really stressed. On top of it, like volleyball, like training at the division one level and being that sort of player, I was learning all new technique. There was all this pressure on me. I was playing with these girls that were so good. I was really stressed. So if we add up that stress with my restriction and the counting calories and the dieting, like I was about to start, we're going to get a problem. And that's exactly what happened for me. Let's take a quick break to talk about Grammarly. Whether I'm composing my newsletter, writing long Instagram captions like you all know I love to do, or just sending emails every day, I found that there's a more clear and effective way to communicate than just catching spelling mistakes, which I also have a lot of. No shame. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Grammarly Premium. Grammarly Premium gives you real-time insights and guidance on tone, word choice, clarity, and more so you can communicate clearly and confidently. 
My favorite feature is the vocabulary suggestions. It's allowed my writing to just be more descriptive, exciting, and honestly just elevated because I'm learning and using so many new words. There's also clarity suggestions, which helps you make your sentences clear, concise, and crisp. Oh my gosh, that was like ASMR, clear, concise, and crisp by cutting out unnecessary and redundant words. Grammarly Premium can help you improve your writing on sites like Gmail, Twitter, LinkedIn, and more, or even just help you level up on things like work, school, and personal writing projects. Elevate your writing with 20% off Grammarly Premium by signing up at Grammarly.com slash RealPod. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash RealPod. Now, I love online shopping. It's so fun. It's so addicting in a good way. And it's one of the most entertaining things to do these days. But whenever I check out, I see that promo code field that taunts me because I want a discount. Your girl loves a discount and it's hard to find them. But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past because Honey is a free, a free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online, ranging from sites that have tech and gaming products, popular fashion brands, and even food delivery. It's literally as simple as checking out at your favorite store. And then when you're checking out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Literally a free service that finds the coupons for you. Then you wait a few seconds as Honey searches. And then if Honey finds one, you can just watch your prices drop. I just did this buying some new LED lights for filming the other day. And it was so amazing. I just instantly got $15 and that saving adds up. If you don't already have Honey, you are missing out on free savings from a free installation, which you can get in seconds. Head to honey.com slash RealPod to get Honey today. So once again, that's going to honey.com slash RealPod. This is a no-brainer. At first, I would just come home and it would be like seven or eight at night and I would just be really, really hungry, obviously, because I was not eating enough for how much my body needed. And I would try to resist, try to resist, and then be like, oh, I'm just gonna have a bowl of cereal. And then I would have a bowl of cereal and then I would have like pizza and like just eat more food because I was hungry for it. This, and this was gradual. So that would happen. And then I would be like, shoot, I broke my diet. I can't believe I did that. You're trying to lose weight, blah, blah, blah. So tomorrow, like, let's be really good about the calories. Let's really be good about not eating things. And then I would wake up the next day and I would do that. And then at night I would eat food again and have all this guilt and shame and be so upset with myself and then restrict. And so this cycle continued. And as it went on, it just got worse and worse and worse in the sense of it was like, okay, we're eating less today. We're barely eating things. And then we're going to at night eat a lot of food. And eventually this turned into binging. That's the thing about restriction. Like and restriction is what leads to binging is you tell yourself you cannot have this thing. You can't have it. Don't think about it. Don't look at it. You, you can't have it. So then all the, it's all you want. I mean, it could be as not good as a cliff bar and you would be like, I can't have it. I want, I want it because you've just given yourself such a fine rule of this is forbidden. This is a forbidden food. So I would come home and it would all of a sudden be eight or nine o'clock and I would eat everything literally everything that I had in my pantry. It's just so much food. And it's not even like it tastes good or you want that food. It's just like 
because you haven't been giving your body enough food, once you like open the portal of I'm eating finally and I'm giving myself this like deep, dark secret thing, your body is like, okay, we'll get all of it because I know that in like an hour when you wake up, you're not going to eat. So we need all the food we can get now. And the binging was dark. Like I remember sobbing in my bed, just like so unhappy with how I looked so mad at myself for eating food, so guilty that I did all this like in secrecy and just so ashamed that um, I I couldn't control myself. There's certain foods that still trigger me that I haven't eaten in years because they're foods that I binged and I look at them and I just am disgusted. And along with this came like a hyper calculated obsession with food. Like I would walk into a room and I knew where the food was. I knew how many calories were there. I knew what I couldn't eat and what I could eat. And I knew when I couldn't eat and what I couldn't eat. And I was just aware of it all the time. It was like, it literally consumed my everyday life, just food and calories and my weight. The weight that was my goalish weight in high school, I, during my first two years of school, I gained 35 pounds. A lot of it was muscle. Some of it was fat and muscle weighs more than fat. But just for me, as someone who was obsessed with the numbers, I would look down and think, I am so far from the number I want to be. I remember looking up old pictures of myself when I thought I looked good and making these pictures the background on my phone or my screensaver. So I would remember, okay, you used to look so good here. So let's try to get back to that. I would look up pictures of other girls' stomachs. I have like thousands in my camera roll because they were my motivation to look like them. And it was just this constant belief that I was not good or pretty enough and I had to fix myself. And in the bins, like I remember like blacking out, like eating all this food and then coming to and and being like, like, what did I just do? And feeling sick to my stomach, feeling full and gross. And honestly, I, I have a fear of throwing up, like throwing up for me. Like even when I'm sick and I have the flu and I have to vomit, like naturally I cry. I always cry because it's just so uncomfortable for me. I hate it. And I'm so glad that I am the kind of person that like throwing up, like is really scary for me in general. So like when I was really feeling full and sick and disgusting, like that's not something I did. However, I did try that one time. I remember going to an invite and just looking at every girl around me and thinking that they looked so beautiful and skinny. And I felt so big and I felt like my stomach was, I just wanted to cut it off of me. Um, And I went to the bathroom and tried to rid myself of the food. And that was the one time I ever did that. And I remember looking up from the toilet seat. There was no mirror, but I almost feel like I remember this moment in my life so vividly. I'm going to cry. I remember this moment in my life so vividly that I, I can see it. Like, I remember looking up from the toilet and my eyes were like they are right now welling with tears because I was just in disbelief that I had done that to myself because I know how much I've always like been against that and thought it was scary and I never would. And in that moment, I tried. And that is definitely one of the darkest times um, in my disordered eating days that I have, uh, that I can remember to this day. 
it was like that quote, I forget what movie says it, but it's like, I'm unhappy because I eat and I eat because I'm unhappy. And that's literally how I felt. I didn't really want to talk to anyone about this just because I didn't want to believe it. Having an eating disorder for me felt like a loss. And the word disorder is such a harsh word. I want to like, can we veto and change that word? Because it's like disorder. I don't know. It's just, there's so many R's. It just makes you feel like this harsh, you know, piercing word. It's like you're flawed. And I didn't want to feel like that. I just wanted to feel pretty. I just wanted to feel skinny. I just want to see the number I want to see on the scale. And I have a lot of memories on like how I ended up getting help and like telling someone about this. I have like three or four different scenarios that all happened that I can remember. I don't remember exactly in what order, but there was a nutritionist that I had worked with. I think she told me to go see this other, she didn't work at the school anymore. And she told me to go see this other nutritionist at the school. So I think I went in for like an appointment there just to like get a diet plan. I remember walking in and just being like, oh, I just want to slim up and lose some weight. So like help me do that because I know that I can't do it by myself now. And as we get to talking, I think as I started explaining, like, yeah, like, and then at nighttime, I like, we'll just like eat everything back. And like, we started really diving into like, okay, like how much eating back? How often has this been occurring? Like blah, blah, blah. And anyways, me and this nutritionist end up talking and she, after a while, you know, diagnosed me with a binge eating disorder. I had never heard of it. I think I'd heard of like binging, but I thought it was this thing like, oh, you just binge. Like, you know, people think like, oh, I break my diet too. But I mean, when you binge, it is like a ravenous, gluttonous thing. I just remember hearing her tell me that and I knew it. I knew it. I knew I had a problem, but hearing someone else tell me like wrecked me. And I also can remember, I have so many like these vivid, dark memories. I can remember being at a stoplight, ready to cross Figueroa to go to the Galen Center for practice and just hysterically crying. And one of the things I wanted to do was talk to my mom about this. I'm so close with my mom. I love her so much and was afraid to tell her just because I don't know, like, I guess with binging for me, I felt like no one would understand. It made me feel like a monster to say like, oh, I can't control myself around food when there's a bunch of food. I just eat it all and I can't stop. Like it almost sounds like comedic people think, oh yeah, like I do that too. But you can't explain like, no, like I eat everything and I hate myself afterwards. And it's a ton of food. Like, and I black out during it and I can't control myself. And I didn't want to explain that to someone. But one day after a binge, I remember calling my mom and I just was hysterically crying. It was like, (laughs) you know, when like you can't make words. I think the first like 20 seconds of the call, like I didn't say anything. I remember this call so vividly because it was finally like I wasn't just by myself alone after a binge. I finally called someone and like had them help talk me through what just happened. And I'm so glad that I told my mom because my mom ended up getting me this book. And this book absolutely changed my life. But when she first got me the book, I was mortified, mortified. I mean, the cover of the book says breaking free from emotional eating. I mean, like, If we're going to like hit the nail on the head and really like put a title on this thing, this is it. 
So I duct taped the cover of the book so that no one could see what I was reading. But I read this book. I finished it. I took notes on it. I highlighted it. I was like obsessed with this book. What the book taught me, which to this day has been probably the biggest eye-opening epiphany I have ever had was this thing called intuitive eating. I want to take a quick moment to tell you about Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that helps you curate a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best. Their products are formulated with good-for-you ingredients that are backed by science. You can take Care Of's in-depth five-minute online quiz, which asks you questions about your lifestyle, habits, and health needs to tailor a specific approach and provide you with the best vitamin support. It was super fun and easy to take the quiz. They ask questions about your lifestyle, various regimens and routines. So it's a great way to understand your current habits better. And then not only is a selection of vitamins that Care Of curates specifically for you because of this personal quiz, like for real, you are getting a personally tailored approach to your unique health needs, but the products are high quality. Care Of is super transparent about the research and sourcing behind each one of their products, which is great because you still get that high quality product, which is so hard to find these days, especially at a good price. But now they are being personalized to you. Also, you can follow Care Of's expert recommendations or just adjust the pack at any time. So what you receive is totally your call. Overall, this is great because unlike something drastic that feels out of reach, this is a little change. Adding daily and weekly vitamins to your routine to help support your energy, sleep, digestion, and so much more. You can get 50% off your first Care Of order by going to takecareof.com and using code REALPOD50. That's 50% off your first order by going to takecareof.com and using code REALPOD50. Intuitive eating, also known as mindful eating, basically what it was, was, hey, I want you to listen to your body. I want you to develop a communication and a dialogue with yourself and your body about food. And this was something that my whole life had been stripped and silenced from me by magazines, by tabloids, by models who told me what to eat by measurements, by the scale, by people saying, eat this, don't eat that. Let's cut these foods, eat these foods. Let's do six meals a day. Let's do three meals a day. Let's go small to big. Let's go big to small. Let's stop at six. Let's stop at seven. No, let's stop at eight. Actually cut all dairy. No, you're actually supposed to eat some dairy, but cut gluten. (gasps) It doesn't stop. People telling us what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, how much to eat that I had never let myself have a voice and say, no, this is what I want. And actually I'm not hungry or actually, you know, that doesn't sound good to me. I want to eat this thing. I'm going to let myself eat it. And so that is like in a nutshell, just giving you the gist of mindful intuitive eating. It is listening to your body and your body's wants and also your emotional wants and your physical needs and what the nutrients are and then making a really good and healthy choice for yourself. And this is the best thing I ever did for myself. It's how I eat now. And I've have, I have the healthiest relationship with food, which I'll get into in a second. But before we get there, I want to say, yes, I was scared. I was very scared as a binger who can't control herself around food to say, I'm going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Yeah, it's scary because we jump to, oh, I would just eat like unlimited Oreos until I died. But that wasn't what it was like. It was me realizing that, remember when I talked about restriction, right? When you restrict something, all you're going to do is think about it and want it. The minute I told myself, hey, you can have 
anything. I suddenly didn't feel this need and this urge to eat everything because it wasn't bad. It wasn't forbidden. It was just, do I want it or not? But I'm not going to be upset with myself if I eat it or not. And obviously this took time, right? This was weeks and months, but I worked on it. I was really compassionate and patient with myself. And I ended up getting to a place where I was fixing all of this toxicity that had been manifested and living in me for such a long time. To this day, I've been intuitive eating. I've been mindful eating. It is something that I preach to everyone. Anyone that comes to me and says they've had an issue with food or disordered eating, I say, please try mindful intuitive eating. Look it up. Find a book that works for you, a journal, a workbook. Work on it with a psychologist, right? Get professional help. And this is going to blow your mind. I also did a lot of things for my own mental health. I haven't weighed myself in years. I have no idea what I weigh. When I go to the doctor's office and they ask me to step on the scale, I say to the person, hey, okay, great. I'll step on the scale. I don't want to know how much I weigh, so please just don't tell me. (laughs) Another thing you can do is also step on facing backwards, which is just like a way of letting them know you don't want to know without saying anything. I heard that from someone, which is a great tip. I unfollowed a ton of people that made me feel bad about myself and the way I looked. I stopped getting in pictures for a while. When all my friends got together to take 30 minutes of pictures before we left for the night, I just said, no, I'm not not gonna do that because it causes me to think negatively about myself. It causes me to wanna Photoshop and Facetune myself. And I also stopped making comments and having a dialogue around food that was terrible. So I didn't say like, oh, I'm, I'm only eating a salad today or this is why I'm eating that or I'm not eating that or I'm like, I just stopped talking about food. I'm not gonna make it this big thing. I do remember the first breakthrough I ever had with my intuitive eating and it was this. <laughs> this is the funniest story. It makes me so happy. I went to work. I was working an internship at Entertainment Tonight when I was a little baby at USC. And I remember packing my bag for work that day. I threw in my notes, I threw in a bar, I threw in my charger, my phone, whatever. I go to the to work. I came home that day and I was, I remember this so well. I came home that day and I was unpacking my bag, my computer, my jacket, blah, blah. And I look at the bottom of my bag and there was a bar. And I pulled out the bar and I was like, oh my God. I had a bar in my bag all day and I forgot about it. I literally was like celebrating and jumping for joy because for me to forget I had food on me, to not know I had food on me was the biggest like breakthrough and sense of hope that could have happened to me. I used to be like, okay, there's a bar in my bag. When can I eat the bar? No, not right now. I can't eat it. How many calories are in the bar? No, I'm not going to. Like it was just that was my mindset all day long with food. So to just go have a day where I didn't think about it and I could think about other things like what my family was up to, what the weather was like, if I was having a good day and not have thoughts about food and my body was liberating. If I've said anything that resonates with you or makes you feel like you've experienced what I have, I just want to let you know that this does not have to be forever. I promise you that you can get to a place where you have a good relationship with food and you have your own sort of breakthrough. I know what it is like to read a book or hear from someone and think, oh, never, literally never. I will never not think about food. I will never not care about the number on the scale. But I, I promise you there is a way because I used to feel like that. I used to feel like there's no way. But in order for it not to be forever, you have to do a few things, right? You have to seek the help. You have to tell someone. That's one of the things I did. And then you have to figure out how you can work on this. The best way is obviously the professional, someone who can help you, a therapist. Also, whatever works for you. The book really worked for me. Lastly, I just want to say that if you've made it to the end of this, thank you 
it means a lot that you took the time to hear my story and I really appreciate it. This is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So if you have a story, I encourage you to share it. If you're not ready to share it, maybe just retweet someone's tweet that you like or use the hashtag or repost a quote and just help spread the awareness so that so many human beings out there, girls, guys, people that don't identify, any human being who's experiencing an eating issue can feel seen and feel like they're not alone and they don't have to be ashamed. I'm not going to lie. That was emotional for me even to listen back to. I teared up. It's funny. When I said that I was tearing up, I was also, the when the past me said she was tearing up, the present me was also tearing up. So these things still hit. And, you know, like, as I said, there's there's so many little things that, of course, I, I didn't dive into, but even just the overview of that experience is still difficult for me when when really sitting in it and, and recalling it. So anyways, I just, I, I hope that was helpful in some way. And I'm going to get to your questions right now to hopefully continue to support you all in, in any way I can. So the first question I see here on the RealPod Instagram is from Allison. Hi, Allison. Your question says, how did you get the courage to reach out for help? I'm too afraid to ask for help. And I think it's because I'm embarrassed. I definitely relate to this. Um, As you just heard, I felt so ashamed about the binging. It just, it was embarrassing is a great word that you used. It was embarrassing for me to tell someone that I could not control myself around food. And regardless of what your disorder or your struggle is, it can really feel difficult to kind of confess what's going on. But I think ultimately I got to a place in my life kind of with all of my mental health at one big tipping point where I realized I would rather face said embarrassment or said, you know, nervousness to confess than continue to suffer. And at the end of the day, that to me, I think is the decision you come down to when you decide to seek the help is, would you rather continue this suffering, continue this struggle that you're going through every single day or have a tough conversation? And I chose to have the tough conversation. I'm so glad that I did. And I hope that you do too. This next question from Montana says, how to overcome seeing a photo where you think you look quote unquote big. I saw one today and it really made my mood go down. I gave up the scale on January 1st and I feel amazing with my body, but that one picture made me spiral. So the thing about pictures, you guys, is pictures like, oh my gosh, pictures are just not accurate. And I'm not saying that like big is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You can take a picture of yourself where you look quote unquote good. And then in the next two minutes, take a picture of yourself where you look quote unquote bad. Actually, Danae Mercer is a fabulous Instagram account who literally addresses this exact issue all the time. Her Instagram account, if you just type in at D-A-N-A-E-M-E-R-C-E-R, you'll find her. That to me just has helped me so much realize that I'm not going to care so much about a photograph because I know that it's just a photo and that there are other photos I could take where I would possibly like the way I looked or where things would be different. So number one is just realizing that photos are just so inaccurate and I never let photos make me feel good or make me feel bad because it's, it's just an image and angles are everything. And then secondly, that's just kind of getting back to the appearance, right? It's like, if you think your leg looks big and it ruins your whole day, you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, like it's, it's about my body. My body's important. And I've really tried to shift to the moment. So especially when it comes to photographs, I really, really work to emphasize what is this moment capturing? Maybe it like I had the picture where I thought my leg looked big after my ED. I was laying with my brothers on a beach and we were all hugging and it was this really sweet moment with my brothers. And I saw the picture and I was like, oh my God, but my leg. 
And then I caught myself and thought, here I am with my two brothers. We've been through thick and thin together. We're hugging in this picture. That is what this picture is about, not my body. And so that has also helped me as well. This next question is from Ella. It says, dealing with the thought of not being sick enough or not quote unquote deserving recovery. Would love to hear something on that because I'm currently struggling with it. Yeah. So I'm certainly still insecure about my story in the sense that, you know, I did not go to a rehabilitation center. I wasn't anorexic or bulimic. And so, you know, depending on the disorder, like I even find myself minimizing binge eating because I just think that disorder is, I think, less talked about, even though it's the most popular disorder. So I certainly relate to this. And at the end of the day, it's just remembering that you are valid in your own experience and you don't have to check any box to deserve help, to deserve recovery, to deserve love. You do not have to check any single box to deserve those things. So please don't compare your situation to someone else's. Your story is your story. No one can take that away from you. And it's not about crossing a threshold or getting to a certain level of severity. It's as simple as realizing, hey, something's not great here. I don't feel awesome. I don't think this is the healthiest for my body. And I want to make a change. And everyone deserves that option. This next question is from Maddie. It said, what would be the first step to tell someone you are struggling with an ED considering the stigma of mental health and disparities in the black POC community? Maddie, this is such a great question. And I'm so glad you brought this up because it is true that the majority of people we see online advocating for eating disorders, talking about eating disorders are white women. Most of the time, thin white women, right? I have thin privilege. I also have white privilege. And my experience is wildly different than someone else who doesn't have the same privileges that I do. And so I think in that scenario, I think it's best to seek out people in your community who have had similar experiences and can speak to the things that you're going through. One of my favorite Instagram accounts is called The Nutrition Tea. She's a fabulous black woman, has amazing content. I think it's just a great resource so that people can learn from and listen to the voices of those who've had their similar experiences. So one thing I recommend is seeking out those accounts. Also the iWay community. So on Instagram, it's at iWay is fabulous with representation and diversity and inclusion. And so all of their content on eating disorders, recovery and wellness is extremely inclusive. So I recommend that community as well. And to answer this question specifically, it says, what's the first step to tell someone considering the disparities? I would recommend seeking out someone who you feel like can give you adequate advice and has had a similar experience. So seeking out a therapist or a psychologist or a counselor who is from the black POC community so that you can feel extra understood. And once again, there are some fabulous accounts online where these conversations are being had and they're so important. So I recommend checking out the nutrition tea, Simone Mariposa, Body Posi Panda, and also an account called Minds of Melanin, which is run by a friend of mine and is fabulous. This next question is from Caitlin. It said, did you have a friend who struggled with an eating disorder at the same time as you? If so, how are you guys able to help each other recover? Yes, I definitely did. And it was great because we were able to help each other help each other. We both wanted to get better at the same time. And so on those days where you're not feeling the best or you need that extra pick me up or that energy from someone else or a friend, it was so great and helpful to have that. So I think just keeping an open dialogue about what you need and where you're at and not needing to be healing exactly the same. It's great to have support from a friend in your life who's going through the same thing as you or has gone through the same thing as you. But it's also important to remember that you guys might not adapt to things in certain ways. Like for example, 
I ended up finding recovery, becoming this advocate, developing a platform, talking about it publicly. Whereas this friend of mine, no one knows that she had the struggle. So we were completely different in that sense. So while you are supporting each other as friends, just remembering that your recovery paths are going to be different. There might be certain things that work for you that don't work for her in recovery and just respecting that. And at the end of the day, because you are really great friends, being able to have conversations about these things and not take things personally and just ultimately show up with love and compassion for each other. This next question is from another Maddie. It says, would love to hear about being present when eating and finding enjoyment out of food. (gasps) I love this because food can be such a delicious, fantastic thing. Like literally eating is the favorite part of my day. I love, love food. And I think the misconception when you're recovering from an ED is that like, you're never supposed to think about food. You can't enjoy food. You want to get to this place where like food's not a thing in your life. And that's just, I I don't think that's realistic for human beings. Like we literally need food to live. Like you're going to have to think about it and you're going to have to eat it and you're going to have to taste it. And then there's things that taste good and bad, et cetera. And what you eat, you have a feeling of how that feels in your body. So it is perfectly okay to enjoy your food and be present when you eat your food. A few tips for working on presence when eating would be sit down. So make sure when you're eating, you're sitting down, not standing, not driving, not walking around. Make sure your attention is on the act of eating. So ridding yourself of distractions like TV, phone, et cetera, and eating slowly. I cannot say enough about eating slowly. As a prior binger, I eat fast. Like I can scarf things down and I still can do. It's like a habit, right? So just taking a big, deep breath and taking your time as you eat. It's an incredible experience to mindfully eat. So I recommend grabbing an orange, grabbing a tangerine, an apple, a fruit of your choice is a great way to start. There's so many flavors in fruit and mindfully eating it. This next question is from Lexi. It says, can you expand on eating disorder denial? Yeah, so I mean, obviously this sounds like not wanting to admit or accept the fact that you have an issue with food. And I relate to that. Like when I told you guys how I was crying at the stoplight because I was just so upset that I had had a quote unquote diagnosis. It made me feel like something was really wrong with me. And you know what? I've had a lot of different experiences since that moment. And I go back and forth on diagnoses and labels. Some people like the clarity. They like to know that they are depressed, anxious, bipolar, that they have a diagnosis on something and now they understand what's going on. Other people can feel really discomforted by those labels and it can make them feel ostracized from other people who don't have them. So I think it's up to you. And if you are someone who doesn't love the term eating disorder, that's okay. You don't have to try to fix yourself because you don't like that term. I think you can just acknowledge, hey, I struggle with food and I want to work on that. I want to go to counseling. Maybe I want to talk to someone. I want to have a better relationship with food. It's totally okay to approach it with those more general sayings and phrase work if that helps you. So I guess I would just say it's really the individual who gets to decide how they want to quote unquote label what they're going through and then move forward with that knowledge. This next question is from Lara. It says, how did you deal with the process of relearning your body's hunger cues in recovery? And how did you stop counting calories? I deleted my tracker a bit ago, but I still calculate everything in my head and I can't stop. And what's your take on calculators? Is it accurate? Okay, so great questions. In terms of relearning my body's hunger cues, that, to be honest, I did not struggle with a ton. I think that's because with my binge eating, there were hunger cues involved. Like I had hunger cues that I was ignoring 
And then when they got so unbearable is when the binge happened. So I kind of always had my hunger cues. I just wasn't listening to them. So when I shifted to intuitive eating, it was the first time I was like, if I get the cue that I'm hungry, I'm going to get some food. I'm going to get some nutrients. So it was more for me having the right response to the hunger cue, but the hunger cue itself was always there. And in terms of kind of relearning that, yeah, it's certainly a process to notice you're hungry and then decide to feed yourself when for however many years you've been getting the hunger cue and refusing to feed yourself. So whether that's journaling or having some quotes around or having someone who helps you and you talk these things through with, just deciding that you are going to respond differently to the cues now. And that was one of the biggest ways I changed. In terms of the calorie counting, I have gotten this question so many times and I try to think about it because girl, same, like girl, same. I still could tell you the calories. Actually, I say that casually, but it's been so long since I've been a religious calorie counter that it would take me a hot sec to like remember the calories and everything. I definitely, now, now, now of course that I say that, it's all coming back to me. I'm like thinking of tablespoon of peanut butter. Like that's like the most basic and plus slice of bread. But to be honest, I just no longer was putting my focus there. So with the intuitive eating, I was like, it's okay, Victoria, it's not about the calories. It's about what food is gonna make us feel best right now, what food we need in our bodies to do whatever we're gonna do next in our day. And I was just shifting my priority and really working through that food was not about the calories. It was about the fuel. It was about how it was going to fuel my body. And it takes time. It takes reps. And then eventually you get to a place where you start eating the bread without thinking about how many calories is in the bread. It's the same way as having any sort of habit in life. Like if you bite your nails, and I'm not saying that these are the exact same thing, of course, but like if you're a nail biter and you're like, oh my God, all I do is bite my nails. I bite my nails. I think about biting my nails all the time. And then eventually you work on breaking the habit with whether the what's the polish or being mindful about it or refusing to bite even when you have the urge. And then you wake up one day and you you don't think about biting your nails. And that happens gradually over a long period of time. It's like similar to how I forgot that the bar was in my bag, you know? So I would just say have faith that if you continue to prioritize the healthy things, and when I say healthy, I mean like the better way to look at food, like it's fuel for your body and it's going to make you feel good and taste good and satisfy you, that gradually over time, that part of your brain that calculates the calories is going to have less and less power. You're going to be giving it less and less attention. And I promise you will slowly see improvements. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have time for today. Thank you all so much for submitting such thoughtful questions. If I didn't get to yours, I'm so sorry. Hopefully we can do another episode like this. I appreciate each and every one of you who has listened to this episode and made it this far. If this podcast has helped you in some way today, share it with a friend, send it to someone who you think might need this conversation. This week especially is the week where we can be reaching out and having these conversations and supporting each other. So please don't hesitate to do that with the people you love in your life. Also, if you enjoyed this episode today and you want to leave me a review and let me know what you thought and what your takeaways were, you can head over to iTunes and you can either leave a rating or write in your personal comment. I would love to see your review, read your review, hear what you thought about this show. It means the world to me. I want to give a special shout out to Jordan who left a five-star review saying, love the podcast. Victoria's podcast is so real and funny. I look forward to it every Wednesday because it always makes me feel better about life and my insecurities. 
Jordan, thank you so much. This means the world to me. I love reading your reviews, guys. I love learning your names and seeing what you have to say. So please go leave me a rating and a review if you have not already. And also follow the show on Instagram at RealPod. Lastly, I have so many incredible podcast episodes that have already been out and published on eating disorders, disordered eating, and intuitive eating. Specifically, the book I mentioned today, Breaking Free from Emotional Eating by Janine Roth. Janine Roth is a queen, a legend, and now a friend of mine. She has been on the show twice. So make sure you scroll back and look for the Janine Roth episodes if that interests you. Also, there are episodes from Elise Resch on intuitive eating, which is fabulous. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Real Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you get that automatic download every single Wednesday. I love you all so, so much. I want you to know you are not alone. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. And as always, don't forget to keep it real.